Hey guys, it's Pete. Just wanted to let you know that my second book, Frankenstein's Soul's Echo, is now available. It continues the adventure from Frankenstein to Life Beyond, which is a direct sequel to Mary Shelley's classic novel. Both Frankenstein Life Beyond and Frankenstein Soul's Echo are available as ebooks on Amazon, iBookstore, Barnes and Noble, The Bow, and of course from EnceladusLiterary.com. Thanks. Now on with the show. Welcome to Hindsight is 2020, a show where we look at anything in this world and arrogantly say how we'd fix it. And I can prove it with my usual flawless logic. These two idiots. <laughs> We give our thoughts on movies and TV shows that should or should not have been. Once, I was a cop. A road warrior searching for a righteous cause. My name is Max. With your host, Pete. I live, I die, I live again! And Greg... It was hard to know who was more crazy. Me or everyone else. And we slowly and mercilessly beat our subject to death. If I'm gonna die, I'm gonna die historic on the Fury Road. We need Tom Hanks back in comedy. But... What we don't need is Tom Hanks and Mad Max, which is what we're talking about here on this episode of Hindsight is 2020. I don't know. We're pretty furious. He would have added an interesting element to the story. That would have been awesome. We're not going to bring Mel Gibson back. Oh, you're going to cast Younger? No, we're going to go with Tom Hanks as Mad Max. I just would have liked him standing like along the side of the road or something, and he's just like, Hey! (laughs) (laughs) Doing the goofy wave. Yeah, something. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Joe! It's a Martin Joe! (laughs) (laughs) Just keep it real short and simple. (laughs) Oh my god, you've got a weird mask. <laughs> Wait, I thought you weren't playing Bane in this movie. What what gives? <laughs> oh, Tom Hardy, you do love your face masks. So oh, my real name is Max. Oh <laughs> <laughs> Let's not stand on ceremony here, Morton Joe. <laughs> That would have been awesome if for his first. <laughs> he only says like twelve words in the movie, but he says them all like Bane. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been cool. <laughs> you, I want you with the bolt cutters. So let's just jump right in, shall we? We'll make this a, an abbreviated shortcut into Fury Road. So many people have been talking this film up for months ahead of time. The Rotten Tomatoes fluctuated all the way between 100% and 98%. So that means that there's some fools giving it out there a a negative. So you saw Mad Max Fury Road. I did. I saw Mad Max Fury Road. True story. Well, we just just hindsighted that sucker. All right. Thanks, folks. (laughs) So... You tell me, in your one word you texted me, Mad Max Fury Road, go. 
Mm, let's see. I believe it consisted of three capital letters that spelled out the word "wow," which flipped over says "mom." Mom. <laughs> <laughs> so, if you were confused by that, you need to turn your phone in the opposite <laughs> direction. Uh, I was wondering. I'm yeah, like, yeah, Saw Perry Road, mom. <laughs> what? Wait, what? <laughs> I, I don't understand. What? Your first name is Steve. <laughs> Well, I was going to text, what a day. What a lovely day. Yeah, you, but I thought that would be too much. So I just left it simple with wow or mom, depending on how you want to hold your phone. All right. So, uh, well, then hold the phone. <laughs> uh, why? Uh, yeah. I rarely, uh, hopefully, I don't know. This may or may not be true, depending on, on the track record here of what we've listened to. But I don't tend to gush a whole lot about movies, but... This one, I literally was just walking out of the theater with a great big sloppy grin on my face, just going, oh, I'm so happy. Um, this thing captured me from literally the first frame. I don't have a like huge love affair connection with the original films. I went in just kind of as a blank slate. I didn't really have any huge aspirations as to what I was going to get out of this movie. It's like, well, all right, I I know what the Mad Max name and franchise basically means. I know that it's been getting positive buzz. I know that people were all gaga over the trailer. I never saw the trailer. Uh, I did not go and check out any reviews ahead of time. Um, it was just simple word of mouth. Hey, people are saying that they love this. I didn't, you know, get on to anything with Twitter or social media or anything. Just walked in. I said, I just want to have the experience of watching this movie. And, oh, God, what an experience it was. Um, so the music, the visuals, uh, just the scope of the thing was mind-boggling. This is one of those uh, few movies where you, at least from my point of view, you cannot tell the difference with some of these insane stunts that they have going on in here, what is CGI and what is practical. Um, I like the storyline. I like the way that they updated and kind of manipulated some of the elements that are present in the other Mad Max movies. And I just was blown away. I was at a theater that had a really great sound system. And I mean, literally rocking and rolling my seat and loving every second of it. So... That was my experience with it. <laughs> right on. Mm. Well, I liked this movie a lot. I did not love this movie a lot. <laughs> and the thing I'm getting bombarded with in my own head, because it's not like anyone's physically bombarding me about it, I just feel like in my own brain I should be I should be there, but I just am not there. I, I just... And when the movie was ended, I'm like, yeah, that was pretty good. And then I'm just hearing all of these different review shows, and then you just going, this is the greatest thing ever! <laughs> I didn't say the greatest thing ever. I said I had a great time with this movie. Right on. And I I just, I wish I was there. That that feeling that you're that, having... That's, that's what I love about it, though, is that feeling. Yeah. yeah. That feeling, I've had that feeling before, just wasn't with this movie. Um, I had that feeling when we walked out of The Dark Knight for the first time, where I just was, like, gobsmacked. Like, what did I just see? <laughs> um, 
Braveheart, when my buddy and I saw Braveheart for the first time, it was that, what did I just witness? Like, holy crap. Um, but this one, it, my other buddy and I sat there and like, huh, that was pretty good. There's probably some changes in it. We actually talked about it in the car on the way out, and I thought, oh, that sounds like that's a hindsight coming up. Because <laughs> uh, it sounds like you wouldn't hindsight anything in this film, would you? I mean, there are a few things that I could probably, if I wanted to be uber uh, critical of it, and again, this is just from my perspective. Um, that, and, who, and who would do silly things who, like who that? Who would do silly things like I mean, that? Except uh, that I, yeah, that I could uh, kick around. I mean, and they don't even necessarily have to be things that I wasn't satisfied with. It's just kind of like, that oh, would have been cool if you know this or that had uh, played out a little bit more, or uh, if we'd seen a little more of this or that. But uh, again, um, and I don't know if it's just because, yeah, we've only seen each of us have only seen this once. I don't know if upon repeated viewings that I'm going to have the exact same reaction that I had to it the first time that I saw it. But, um, yeah, I there really probably isn't a whole lot. But uh, just because that's where I'm at with it right now doesn't mean that some of the stuff that you were talking about as far as proposed uh not necessarily issues but ideas about uh what could have been done uh differently uh wouldn't be fine so what what did you guys talk about well okay so we're not a we're not a review show so yeah right. i had to come up with some ideas and since this is spoilerific spoilerific <laughs> um but not really, because you really can't spoil this movie, because you, you can't spoil it unless you actually show someone the movie and say, here right. it is, because it's really visual. Oh, very much so, and that's one of the things that I really like about it and that I'm so impressed with, is it is just one of those movies that is meant to be seen on the big screen, um, because it is so incredibly visual. Yeah, it's kind of like seeing the movie Gravity in 3D in the in the movie theater. It's such a tremendous difference between doing that and then watching it at home on HBO. And you're just like, wow, this was a 9 out of 10 movie in the movie theater, and now it's about a 6.5 out of 10, 7 out of 10, because the story really is kind of meh. But when you see Gravity 3D in the movie theater, you're like, holy crap, there's just that difference between the theater and home. Well, just for the sake of putting it out there, since you brought it up, did you see it in 3D or 2D? Oh, it's just 2D. I, yeah, I did the same thing. I didn't feel like seeing it in 3D, so. That's not, not necessary. No. <laughs> <laughs> Unless it's James Cameron or animated, I am not going to bother with 3D. And I wouldn't have, even if you, I had stuff popping at me at the screen or whatever, I wouldn't have wanted to do that because I like the color that you get more with the 2D, especially for something like this. I think it's stronger probably. But yeah. again, I'm biased. I didn't see the 3D. Other people may have a totally different response. Well, the the thoughts that we had coming out of it were, hey, that's great, but... And maybe this is my simpleton mode in you know here, but I really would have liked about an additional thirty-five to forty seconds of screen time. That's really that's all we're talking about here. We're not. I'm not talking about overhaul this whole thing. No, <laughs> I'm talking about at the beginning. There should have been a 
like just some sort of setup scene for Furiosa for uh, for Charlize Theron's character. Just some sort of so it doesn't even have to be well here's where she's headed and you can see in her eye that she doesn't believe in Joe it's just it just should have been more establishing who she was in this world cuz he establishes the world great and they get off and running and you kind of pick it up as it goes along but i think the movie would have benefited greatly had we known more about her before all the action started. And it didn't even have to be about her hiding the guns or what the actual run's for or her arm or anything like that. Just some sort of scene outside of the war rig to explain who she was to this world so that you just have a little bit more with her as you're going along and then the, you know, as all these different... uh, uh, studies that we do on writing and all these different review shows that talk about movies in general, they all say the same thing, is that an action scene is great when it's visu- done visually well with effects, but it doesn't mean anything if you don't care about the characters that are involved in the action scene. And I think that something more with her at the beginning and... On the other note, the additional 10 seconds or whatever it is, is just a little bit more fleshing out of the Mad Max character at the very beginning. You establish him as he's standing there, he's watching, and he kills the two-headed lizard and eats it. But he has these little flashbacks of the little girl. There should have been something more... I'm, 10 seconds, 15 seconds of screen time more instead of a blinking, flashing... Oh, it's a girl, and now he's out. Just something to establish where this guy came from or what he's been through. Anything additional at the beginning, and it wouldn't have been as hard to kind of jump on board with who these two main people are and where they're coming from and what they're dealing with. Just a little bit more establishing of what each of them is about without giving a whole lot away. Just something additional. And I think it would have made every action scene that much more effective and you would have been that much more on a tension wire by the time you got towards the end because you really knew these people not you just kind of got to know these people as it went along and it took the first 15 20 minutes of the movie before you really kind of understood what they were doing and you missed the first 15 20 minutes like me i felt that way about the first one or two action scenes was this is great action but i don't really know what these people want or do, and I'm not wholeheartedly invested yet. Yeah, I think that that, uh, a a couple of things. I think that the film very much approaches the storytelling from the perspective that you already have some kind of a grounding with this, you know, long-established, though dormant, uh, Max character in the world and everything like that. Um, I was while you were talking, I was trying to because it's been a while, honestly, since I've seen uh, the three previously existing movies and everything. And I was trying to remember how each of those starts. Um, my kind of hazy memory of those is 
uh, I think Miller just as a storyteller and filmmaker and everything like that, his whole focus really uh, is just to try to establish that literally these are people in a wasteland and kind of like the voiceover that Max delivered and the focus that really Miller wants to tell is just a story about survivalists. Um, I don't know if he himself really, because the Max character in all of the movies, you could argue very, I think, easily, is um, very underdeveloped. Um, and yeah, that, and, and, and I think that carried over with Furiosa in the way that she was uh, portrayed as well, and where our starting point is with her too. Um, so I think some of it, and I mean, I'm not saying at all that you're wrong. I, I especially with just adding, you know, like you were saying, ten seconds here, forty seconds there. I think that's fine. Um, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with you know what you were bringing up. I'm just saying from. Uh, kind of what I've seen or what I perceive of him as a filmmaker and storyteller, I think that's just kind of his M.O. Well, and that's fine, and I understand the whole the man with no name Clint Eastwood, the character comes in as the supporting western character to save the day or to help save the day and then move on to the next town, his job is done here, Lone Ranger style. Right. I understand that. But he made a point of showing these flashbacks to a kid or whatever for Max and and establishing somewhat. And I, I think it's either do that a little bit more so we have a little bit more concrete idea, quit hiding it from the audience. I mean, if you're just going to say, this guy's screwed up and he's been he dealt with this little girl or he lost his, his wife and kid or whatever, just something that just says, here's wife and kid you didn't save us something or another just i mean it's the old uh uh you know the i think james cameron said it when he was talking about titanic Mm. he said it's an old country preacher's method of tell the people what you're going to tell them and then tell them (laughs) you know it's it's a storytelling method of don't hide so much that you can potentially cause some confusion just if you're telling the story Tell people what you're going to tell them and then go ahead and tell them and let them enjoy it. And I just personally think that he just didn't do enough to establish who Max was. And it didn't even have to be, here's his full character and here's everything he's been through. And remember when he was Mel Gibson? Isn't that crazy? <laughs> he has a flashback and he's looking at the mirror and it's Mel. <laughs> but it's modern day Mel Gibson. Yeah, modern day Mel Gibson. There you go. But I just think just a a a tad more would have just benefited so much so that you just got that out of the way. No, I hear what you're saying. I hear what you're saying. It's like, here's who this guy is blatantly. Here's what he's been through. We're not going to go through his whole backstory and his life story. It's just, he failed these people, screwed it up. He's obviously on a mission of something or he's obviously screwed up and get back into the movie we saw. And suddenly there's a lot more emotional investment in the characters you're seeing. Sure. Well, and you understand why, well, you you kind of understand why, given the circumstances and just the kinetic nature of the story and everything, why he sticks with these people. He doesn't really have too many opportunities to separate himself. But, um, yeah, I know I hear what you're saying as far as, like, justifying some of the actions later down the road. Um, 
and adding some dr- another layer of dramatic tension. But uh, I really do like the fact. I feel like uh, that little those little flashes that they went into uh, was an interesting technique because they've always talked about him being crazy and i think the way that they've portrayed it in some of the earlier films uh, they went about it in a little bit different way and i did like the basic approach that they chose uh with this with the flashes and everything well but i will here's here's a moment for you folks (laughs) i will i will have a source of disagreement with you go ahead i don't think that miller was right in assuming people would remember this series on whole on mass it was it, those three movies in the 80s were just not the juggernaut of pop culture that everyone thinks they were no the series is kind of strange that way it's something that people kind of know the title and may have a vague idea about it, but yeah, as far as a lot of detail or repeated viewings or anything like that, I think they're still very much, at the end of the day, kind of cold movies. Yes, and I think that if he's trying to make this movie for an updated modern audience 30 years after the last one came out and was not very well received and pretty much ended the franchise, then he really should have... If that's the reasoning behind not giving Max enough backstory was, oh, well, it's another movie in a series that people know and love. Well, this isn't Star Wars. This isn't... There's Harrison Ford, and he can run around and do whatever he wants, and everyone's going to remember, yeah, he flew the Millennium Falcon in Star Wars 40 years ago. Because everyone saw Star Wars, not everyone saw Mad Max, and if that's the way he was going, I think it's a... I think that was a mistake. A very few mistakes that he made. I think that if that's where he was coming from, I think that would have been a mistake. I think it should have been more updated for a modern day audience with the assumption that 95% of the audience that's going to go see this now, maybe maybe 50% of the audience is going to go see it right now, has never even heard of Mad Max, that this is just something brand new for him and... And I know you want to leave something out there as kind of ambiguous and leave it up to the audience and really get them invested. But, yeah, I guess that's what my only sticking point is. If they he just would have had a little bit more backstory than all of the awesomeness that comes after this. And, again, folks, I like this movie a lot. I sound like I'm hitting it to hell. But I think it would have been – it would have earned the above 90% in Rotten Tomatoes in my own mind – that matches where it is now in reality with Rotten Tomatoes had there been more backstory to create a, a better character. I'm gonna, I am going to hit back a, a couple balls at you here with this one, too, just for the sake of it. A um, few things. First, we, we do have to keep in mind that at the end of the day, this is basically a foreign film. The Mad Max series is very much an Australian product, always has been, always will be. Um, I think some of the approach maybe to the storytelling and everything is it still uh, is very closely tied with kind of the mindset and aesthetics in some senses to the way that the storytelling and filmmaking was approached with the original movie. Um, So some of it may just be kind of a little bit of a cultural thing with the way that 
the characters are portrayed or meant to be portrayed or what uh, kind of people connect with in different societies because the Mad Max series, uh, both with the original movie and with uh, what we know as the Road Warrior and the rest of the world knew as Mad Max 2 when it got released, uh, Mad Max was a much bigger hit in Australia and Europe and places like that than it ever was in the United States. Um, so again, with that kind of in mind, we, I, I totally hear what you're saying as far as, uh, kind of explaining a little bit more, giving a little bit more here for, um, you know, both a modern audience and also, uh, just kind of more modern storytelling in mind. But, uh, I, I just think that he was comfortable that the character, would be one that people again broad spectrum globally just kind of knew and didn't feel the need to go back and do that again i'm hedging my bets i'm not in the man's brain but it's just kind of food for thought right on and i i want to stop this here because <laughs> again i like this movie a lot i was just nitpicking sure so, no and- i in the, true, <laughs> in the true spirit of hindsighting ourselves into merging Die Hard 4 and 5 and completely <laughs> recreating episodes 1, 2, and 3 of Star Wars and Indiana Jones and the uh, the Zeus's Fire, how about Mad Max Fury Road as George Miller originally intended with Mel Gibson and not Tom Hardy? Would we have gotten... A similar movie? We obviously wouldn't have the same movie, but would we have gotten a similar movie? Hmm, that is an excellent question. I'm trying to... Okay, first of all, I'm trying to remember what's the last Mel Gibson movie I saw in his, like... Well, he's... he's Recently, he was in Expendables 3, which we already talked about at nauseum on an episode in the past, and... uh, he was in. Oh God! There was a movie that I saw. All I can think of is that Beaver Puppet movie. Right yeah, there was, a, there was that one where you had a Beaver Puppet and. All right, Jody yeah, Foster I didn't movie. see that one. I didn't see, even though it's been on streaming forever. That Get the Gringo is that what it's called? Yeah, there was that one, and then there was one other one where he was like a cop, and his daughter got killed in front of him or something. And I saw that one actually in the theater, and he. He hasn't really lost his acting chops. It's just between him and Tom Cruise. Mm-hmm. Tom Cruise has really been able to work his way past his off-screen issues. Like, if if we were to compare those two, Tom Cruise, Mel Gibson, Tom Cruise has one hell of a PR agency to be able to rework his image. Mm, true. And kind of dampen it down so that his movies can come back again. Mel Gibson has no PR firm, so he just got he, uh, he did the stupid shit, and the stupid shit has now made him toxic. Where once he was one of the biggest stars in the world, and now he is just oh god, we're not getting that guy in our movie. So yeah, and I think that might, at the end of the day, kind of answer answer your, uh, the question that you posed. I think just the baggage that would come with him would definitely change the way that people kind of connected with the character in the movie well then there's two different ways i could ask that question there's the first way is all right it's 2015 and they made this movie in 2012 with 
60-some-odd-year-old Mel Gibson looking like he did in Expendables 3. Mm-hmm. And how would that be? And then there's the other one where George Miller originally thought this idea up in like 98 or 99. So when Mel Gibson, pre-Meltdown Gibson, right. uh, how would it have been then when he still kind of looked like Martin Riggs, you know, the Patriot era kind of thing? Right. It still looked like Mel Gibson and that craggly old, who was that? <laughs> um, I just, I wonder what it would have been like and I wonder if Mel Gibson had the chops to do kind of what George Miller wanted, what it looks like he obviously wanted, and Tom Hardy pulled off, which was expressions, menace, grunting, and hardly any lines. And I, I think Mel Gibson could have pulled that off with the right direction. I just would... I almost would be very curious to see that alternate reality and not be like, oh, God, thank God we got this. <laughs> I'm actually really curious to see all things being equal, everything else off the table, what this movie would be like if that was Mel Gibson with a face mask strapped to the hood of a car instead of Tom Hardy, what, what this would have been like. It actually might have been even more effective. I talk about character, but more effective if we had Mel Gibson with gray hair looking all craggly like he does now, uh, back as Mad Max. You talk about connecting back to the old ones and plus putting something and then seeing this old guy coming to the rescue. I think that would have been pretty interesting. Whether or not he could have put off the stunts, who knows? But um, I... I yeah, I would have liked that. No, I agree. That would have been kind of an interesting exercise and uh, definitely maybe changed the connection between this film and the previous existing ones and everything like that. It would have been kind of a time bridge in a sense. And we've had this now, and we've actually talked about it in our history here. So this is kind of... I guess the right way to do what the prequels and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull turned out so wrong. <laughs> and now that hey, we, they were great, buddy. And now we have the future ponderings that we still have yet to see, Episode 7, The Force Awakens. So, you know, it's George Lucas. He's older. He wants to go back to his old property. Uh, he didn't do it. Spielberg is older. He wants to go back to his old property, bring back Harrison Ford. Uh, you just can't go back there. I don't know if Spielberg's heart was ever really in the, doing that fourth movie, though, to be fair. I think his heart was in doing the fourth movie. He just wasn't into doing that version of the fourth movie. Well, that, that could be, into. too, yeah. Good point. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't know what George has over him, but I think it was... He just agreed to do it, and then, oh, I guess I have to do this because he's the producer. Yeah, I think that was the problem there. So I think it would have been an interesting dichotomy if we still got the same quality of movie, but it was Mel Gibson instead of Tom Hardy. That would have been interesting to see. Well, this is one of those rare cases where a property has been dormant for so long. And, yeah, they bring it back. And, my gosh, how many comedies lately have we talked about either on the podcast or just between us that – they do a new installment for, and you're just going, oh, this, no, you should have left this alone. And this easily could have turned out that way. So is this then, 
See, I, see, that's where my dissonance comes in our world here, where we have all these conversations about you just can never go home again, Oatman, but I guess you can shop there. Is <laughs> can you? Is that decade rule that we've put in place for something like Anchorman 2 or Dumb and Dumber 2 at 20 years, Is what is that cutoff time for coming back to things and... Can um, we qualify it, this as coming back to things, or can we qualify this as just a complete reboot of the story? It just so happens to be with the same director. I think we might actually get more of an answer to that when we see what they eventually end up doing with the uh, new Ghostbusters um, installments coming up here. But I think that's that falls into the reboot category. I think what I'm talking about is our category that we created maybe on one of the podcasts that category of it's been 25 years but Harrison Ford is still Indiana Jones. It's been 20 years but Jim Carrey and Jeff Daniels are still dumb and dumber. That kind of thing where it's bring everybody back after a huge layoff and it just never works. And maybe if they hadn't uh, kind of started over like they did as far as the cast went, maybe if they had gone with the Gibson and the role and everything like that. That, uh, yeah, we we might be saying something similar about this. Who knows? Yeah, I just find that is again what we're all about. That wonderful, uh, wistful dreaming of what could have been. And I'm not saying I'm dreaming for it. I'm just saying, in that alternate timeline with Mel Gibson playing it, for all the crap that he gets, rightfully so. I, I, my third first thought is. I would like to see that. <laughs> that would have been really interesting to see that older, grizzled guy still getting into it, still fighting his way through. I think it would have actually lent a little bit more, uh, like, gravitas to the situation with an older Mel. And uh, it's just I wonder if he would have been able to been reined in so to speak from his wide-eyed martin riggs craziness i i probably well i guess i i feel that we would have gotten probably mostly that we kind of got that with tom hardy though he had some of his moments but he has a way of tampening it down yeah 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 i don't know i i uh is there any discussion? Do you know about them doing any kind of a follow-up movie at this point, or oh, I think was this just a one-off kind of? No, he's already got ideas in place for another one. I think he he would he called it uh, just I just saw it online. Uh, Mad Max: The Wasteland, I think. Okay. Um, but you have two problems there. Number one, even though it's a a lot of money, but we're in the world of the super blockbuster. This movie cost 150 million to make. Probably cost about 25 to 50 million in advertising. So mm-hmm. you're talking a 200 budget, and it made. I say this again with quotes. Only 44 <laughs> million in its opening weekend in May, mm-hmm. and it's got stiff competition that came before it with Age of Ultron. It's got some competition coming after it with Tomorrowland, which we talked about last week, and Jurassic World, which we talked about last week. Mm-hmm. All these things coming up are going to start going after that audience, and it's how long can it run? How much can it build up with word of mouth 
money-wise and worldwide to be profitable. And, and and again, like the some of the uh, original movies, this may do much better overseas, box office wise, than it ultimately ends up doing here. Correct. I mean, this thing, in order to be to 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 show any sort of profit to the studio, it has to pull in at least four hundred and fifty five hundred million worldwide. Because if you got a two hundred million budget. And then you make back two hundred million. Then you give half of that to the theater. So now you're down to a hundred, and so you've got to make an additional, you know, two hundred to get up to three hundred, uh, you know, or whatever. You know, the math doesn't work. But anyway, <laughs> in order to flip it to make it a profit, so that then they will say, sure, you're now seventy years old, George Miller. And you want to make another one of these? You did make us a profit. But we're going to give another $150 million to, what, 73-year-old George Miller to go back out into the desert with Tom Hardy and Charlize Theron, who, by their own admission, both of them separately said they really could not stand each other while shooting the whole movie. Oh, really? Um, so, I don't know. I mean, just from a business standpoint, it's really got to make a ton of money, I think, for them to be able to pull something off and not slash the budget to where it's yeah. like, well, it's a big critical response, but we didn't make a whole hell of a lot, so we can't give you $150 million again, George Miller, so how about $75 million? Can you do the same thing you did before for half the money? Yeah, no oh. pun intended, but uh, if this does end up being the end of the road for this series and everything, then I think it's a good note to end on if this is where it ends. Yeah, and a lot of people are comparing it to Kingsman, which came out earlier this year, which was another awesome damn movie that people didn't know what to make of, uh, but it came out in February, so it had a lot of empty space as far as other movies coming out to just consistently be in the top five box office every week, and suddenly you wake up and you're like, well, Kingsman was never number one at the box office for a week, but it was always like number two or three, and suddenly it made like, Four hundred and fifty million dollars worldwide, and so they're going to make another one. And I feel like awesome. we keep having these, uh, yeah, these kind of sneaking backdoor, whether it's recognized or does good at the box office or not. But uh, what, what was speaking of Tom Cruise? What was the name of the movie he was in last summer? Yeah, Edge of Tomorrow. Last yeah, year. there you go. That it just got word of mouth, so it eventually made its money back, but it never was a huge hit. Right. Basically because of the Tom Cruise factor we just talked about, is that I think his name has still got a little bit of toxicity around it. And, you know, honestly, when I saw the trailers, I'm like, oh, hasn't he just, hasn't he done this futuristic, speaking of futuristic <laughs> wasteland, yeah, this futuristic uh. in a robot suit thing? I don't know. And then when I went and saw Edge of Tomorrow, I'm like, that that wasn't as like big as the Dark Knight or for you Mad Max, but I remember walking out of Edge of Tomorrow last year going, Holy shit, that was awesome. Why is no one knowing about this movie or seeing this movie? So and that's why. I think it was just a Tom Cruise problem and he had coming off one or two movies that looked very similar in the trailers and you're thinking, I don't know, but and was Kingsman, you think, just because it was an unknown property or the time of year it was released or I think both. I think just because it wasn't really based on anything, and it just, 
I, I don't know. It's just it, if you didn't really, if you aren't in the circles or the world of reading about all this stuff all the time like we are, then you just see a general trailer for it. You're like, I don't really know what that is. I've never heard of Kingsman. Yeah, I'll go see Fifty Shades of Grey, which came out against it because I've heard of that, <laughs> I, and that was a problem. But you get the good word of mouth, and then suddenly, five, six weeks later, Kingsman was still in the top five box office. Right. But it never made number one, and I think that's what's going to happen with Mad Max. I think... It's kind of a slow burn. I think Mad Max made 44 this weekend. Tomorrowland opened up next weekend. Age of Ultron's still out there. I think Pitch Perfect 2... Uh, I mean, it made $70 million its opening weekend. I think it's going to drop because I think most people who really loved the first Pitch Perfect kind of got out to the theater and saw it. I think that's where that $70 million came from is everybody wanted to see it. So I think that's going to drop. So if we're just talking box office baseball here, mm-hmm. I'd say Mad Max will probably be number two behind Tomorrowland this coming weekend. Yeah, Again, entirely possible. I think it'll stay at two. And then... It might be two or three the following weekend too, uh, depending on how the word of mouth on Tomorrowland is. So, after Tomorrowland, what's the next big Jurassic Park? Right? Yeah, I think Jurassic Park. I mean, Entourage comes out the first weekend of June, and I, I don't know. I'm not going to pull up the information because we're not. It's Mad Max, people. We already did all that shit with all the trailers. We went through all the damn trailers. We're done with trailers. Yeah, you, can, you can go back and talk and <laughs> listen to that. But, <laughs> or yeah. look up on the internet device machine thingy. Look up on that web zone for where whatever it is that you want to find out. But as far as Fury Road, I threw in my 94 cents as far as any hindsights. Do you have any extra six cents as far as any hindsights you would put into the film? Or would you say, yeah, leave it alone. It's perfect. Um, I I don't want to christen it as a perfect film. I'm sure there will probably be things over time that as I see it more and have a little bit more time to kind of digest it, that uh, beyond that initial adrenaline rush that you get watching it, um, there might be things that kind of crop up along the way. But um, uh, again, based purely on one viewing of it and everything like that, I, there really isn't anything that directly jumps out at me that I can think of that I had um, any specific issues with. But again, that could change in time. Well, right on. Well, all I want is the box office to stop being the age of something and everyone to stop being so furious. So if we can just <laughs> find a nice, happy ground in Tomorrowland, maybe. Maybe we'll hindsight backwards to Tomorrowland or something. Tomorrowland. Or we'll get back into our regularly scheduled program. Oh, yeah, we could get back to that. (laughs) Where we're hindsighting old movies. Old movies, yes. new movies. (laughs) We haven't done that in a little bit. That's true. That's right. 1997 keeps rearing its ugly head with different movies. (laughs) (laughs) No, we'll maybe do Conspiracy Theory next, or we'll maybe do uh, another year. Like, we'll we'll pick a year in the past. Ooh, I've got one in mind. Oh, oh, Johnny, no. no, no <laughs> and it's no, not even in the 90s. Yes. Oh, no, 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 Johnny. <laughs> That's right. He's talking about the 1986, the year of Top Gun. 
Nope. <laughs> and nothing else that I can think of that came out in 1986. Yeah. So, hence why I'm not picking it. Well, Aliens came out in 86. Oh, Ferris 86. Bueller. Oh, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm about done. That's <laughs> <laughs> well, not 86. So it was the fine. year 1958. And you remember these... 1986? Haley's Comet was in the sky. <laughs> remember when Charlton Heston ruled the world in 1959? <laughs> What's hindsight his movie? All right. Well, the road is furious, and so am I. Or it's a lovely day. I'll just kick in the nitro and we'll get out of here. Oh, what a day! What a lovely day! Don't forget to like us on Facebook. Episodes can be downloaded on iTunes or at EnceladusLiterary.com. They're looking for hope. What about you? Redemption. Opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the individual hosts and may not reflect those of Enceladus Literary. Okay, but... Ah!